fast, efficient and affordable business grade hosting solutions, domain registration, SSL certificates and more. We also monitor and provide website security and update services, website builds, email hosting amongst other sensational products. If you have a question about your web page or your presence on the internet in general, no job is too big or too small. Visit our website today or better yet, contact us at blueoceanwebhosting.com.au and leave your website issues to us. Big ones, little ones, fiddly ones, powerful ones. The ones for the car or the truck, caravan, boat, mobility scooter, solar system. In fact, for any kind of battery, go straight to Battery Central Ipswich. They'll even help you when you know what you need to power but have no idea what'll do the job. Battery Central Ipswich, 280 Brisbane Street, West Ipswich, behind the yellow building. Expert advice, better batteries, best prices, every day. That's Battery Central Ipswich. Episode 757 of the Aussie Tech Heads. I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Tompkinson over there, I think. There's no proof of that. Is that who you are? Oh, I wouldn't have a clue tonight. What are your people skills? <laughs> My people skills are fine. My tolerance for idiots I've got to work on. <laughs> <laughs> How do you put up with me then? Uh, I'm working on it, see? It's a work in progress. It's, it's not too bad in small <laughs> doses, right? <laughs> You're not actually here, so you don't see what I'm doing off screen. One of those voodoo doll things going on. <laughs> uh, how's you been? All right up there? <clears throat> yeah, not too bad. Got this funky sinus infection that's making life interesting, but other than that, Damn. We had 31 degrees today, so the air conditioner was on all day. It's still 31. What are you talking about? <laughs> Not in my room, it's like 22. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Air Conditioner. On my air conditioner, it says 30.1 at the moment. Ah, yikes. <laughs> Sorry. It so, needs to condition a bit better than that. <laughs> yes. So, um, but yeah, no, we just had like almost every day we've had massive storms still. Yes. And uh, thankfully this week it's been cooler because we've had... Um, I still have really high humidity, but we've actually had a breeze. We haven't had much in the way of breeze for most of the last couple of weeks, so had a breeze has made a massive difference. Oh, that's good. So Yeah, eat a bit more cabbage and onions. <laughs> Different sort of breeze. Oh. <laughs> but uh but I think a part of the reason because it's been so humidity hum, humidity it's been so humidity that. today. <laughs> Can you even English? <laughs> no. no. It's been so humid for the last three, four weeks. It hasn't dropped below like 85%. Uh, yeah. Um, I think that's part of the reason I got the sinus infection now because it's just constantly moist and damp. Uh, All those lovely things. Gross. So, yeah. So, it's been, been fun. But um, I found out um, yesterday I was looking for something to watch on Netflix and they'd uh, started Snowpiercer again. Yeah. I love that series. I think Son watches I I haven't really... I mean, I know of it, but I haven't really watched much about it. Yeah, I was telling Dad today with all the politics and stuff that happens on the train, and we're like halfway through season three, and then they said they've been greenlit for season four next, so there's got to be a long way to go, which is good. Sean Bean is pretty good being an a-hole type dude and people fighting it's... against him with the resistance. He's good at that. I mean, that's just... <laughs> it's like him. It's like watching um, uh, Nicolas Cage play Nicolas Cage in everything he plays. It's... Yeah. <laughs> There's a few <laughs> actors like that, isn't there? <laughs> it's just how it is. Some people are like, oh, I hate it when an actor plays themselves, but usually they're just good. 
that's the character. It fits in all of the shows, and they play it yeah. well, and it's a good show. Yeah, it's like you know Nicholas Cage plays Nicholas. I mean, the other extreme, you got people like um, um, Clint Eastwood, who you know everyone loves him to pieces, but in reality, he played the same character every time he played a character too. Like, yeah. probably, there wasn't that much difference there. Yeah. Well, there's a you saw that there's actually a movie coming out where Nicholas Cage actually does play Nicholas Cage. <laughs> yes, and what's the better? Doesn't do a very good job of it. <laughs> the unbearable weight of massive talent. Mm. Yeah, it's um, it's got to be worth fun. watching just because for the hell of it, right? I was watching um, a behind the scenes on um, uh, flying high or, or airplane, depending on where you're from, and um, they're talking about I can't think of the guy's name, but he plays the general at three quarters of the way through it, goes through the airports and starts punching pushing the you know people trying to give him flowers and stuff and he lays into him punches and stuff yeah well when they wrote that role for him they actually wrote the role for him because he was in a series prior to that where he was just basically being himself in this series and so they wrote the role of this of this piece for him to play that character which was playing himself ah. the problem is he was aware that he was trying to play himself, so he wasn't doing it the way that they wanted him to do it. <laughs> so they actually... Don't tell him what he should be doing. <laughs> there was actually a stage comedian who did an impersonation of him playing himself. Yep. So he watched the stage comedian's impersonation of him doing his own character to play <laughs> his own character. So he uses the impersonation of himself to play his character correctly. <laughs> <laughs> That is nuts. Uh, it was funny because he just couldn't figure out how to play himself. <laughs> so he impersonated himself to play himself. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's it, it's got to be like that sometimes. Like I was, remember um, in William Shatner's uh, autobiography, uh, he was talking about one of his earlier stage plays that he was doing. Yep. And they have been on stage for two or three weeks. And then all of a sudden... He was about to walk on for one of his big scenes. He was playing King Richard or something. And um, he's literally about to walk. And as he's gone to walk onto stage, he's forgotten how to walk. Huh. Like, because he thought about having to walk. <laughs> and as soon as he thought about it, it's like, I, don't, I, 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 I can't walk. I, I don't know how to walk. <laughs> he couldn't put it down the stage right for him. No, no, no. He just, he just, he, he just tricked his brain into not being able to do the thing it does every day because he thought about what he was doing. <laughs> Don't think about it. Just do it. Uh, kind of like um, Billy Piper on Doctor Who. She played Rose in the early ones of the <coughs> reboot, and then they brought her back later, and she sounded a bit weird. And everyone's like, "What happened?" She's like, "I forgot how to play Rose in that particular character's way." Accent, yeah. So I was trying to copy myself and i just couldn't get back in the mindset of it yeah it's it's funny how that happens i mean I, I, there's a lot, lot of reason that a lot of actors are method actors they stay as annoying as it is for the cast and crew they stay in that character because it's not a natural place for them to be but once they get there they're quite fine to stay there yeah which is what method acting is um but that all falls apart when yeah, you either have to do a sequel or you've got a week between takes. You've got to figure out how to get back into that, yeah, that character again. again, you know. It was, um, who was I reading about the other, or actually watching a documentary on, um, oh, it was somebody, it was a well-known, oh, it was, um, uh, uh, um, when he was playing Doc in Back to the Future. Oh, yeah. Yep. There wasn't quite a, 100% natural character for him so he tried to stay in character as much as practical and he remembers one day they went and did a they did a thing and he thought he was finished so he dropped out of character and then went and had some lunch and stuff and they go oh, okay we'll go do the close-ups now and he's like uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> I don't know like because to do the close-ups you basically got to redo the scene exactly the same way but yep. you've just got the camera on you closely He's like, I, I don't think I can do that again. Like, <laughs> I'm not in that mindset now, you know. I was reading um, 
Tatiana Maslany when she was doing Orphan Black and she played all of the female characters in there. And she they had music that she would listen to that would get her into that particular character's mindset. So before every take, put on your headset, listen to this music. That's the character that you have to play now. And listening to her own voice and also that music got her into that kind of mindset. Then play that character through and then put on headphones again play different music with different voice in there and play that character with different accents. And I mean, when, you, when you're trying to hold down multiple different characters, I, I get that. Um, it's not like it's a, not like a, a sketch or a bit part where it's only for 30 seconds. Now you could be playing one character for two or three days. Yep. And then you've got to remember a character you haven't played for two weeks. So I kind of understand how that can be like, that's actually probably a very good way of doing it. It, it gives you a physical, connection in process head. To, 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 to trigger it you know yeah it's different than people who do different voices and different characters and stuff in in short quick succession because you're not really like in harry shearer or someone yeah you're not really in that character per se you're just sort of brushing through that character to get somewhere else yeah you know so <clears throat> but yeah it's it's uh it's it's interesting some of the some of the different you know you can have put 10 different actors next to each other and they're all approached the same role 10 different ways yeah. that's why when that's what happened with um wasn't it eric roberts and no who was it who was going to do before michael j fox stoltz stoltz eric stoltz he, the... he looked at the character one way and michael mm. j fox looked at it the way they wanted well no no it wasn't so much that the problem with stoltz is he was deadpan actor he didn't have a comedic bone in his body, apparently. Oh. Because um, I was watching, um, they've actually just released a documentary. Um, it's not specifically, it, it's like 95% about Back to the Future, but it's not exclusively about Back to the Future. That's got most of the cast of that and a few other movies of that era. Um, and they talk about Eric Stoltz. And they say, look, don't get us wrong. We loved working with him. We, we shot, you know, Months. for two months or three months yeah. with him in character but it, the, 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 it wasn't until I started shooting some of the scenes that we now watch and find them as funny scenes that they just didn't feel right when they were shooting them but they couldn't figure out why Yeah, yeah. and it wasn't until they went back and reshot them all with Michael J. Fox that they realized that's what it was. It wasn't so much that he wasn't a brilliant actor. He was, yeah. it was the fact that he's just had no comedic timing, which moved just the slightest inflection or the slightest mannerism, just that little bit in a different way, suddenly completely changed the scene. Yeah. They said he was like, Oh, this guy has gone back in the past and met his mum, dad. His mind's just going to explode. He's just not going to cope. He's going to have some kind of crisis. That's what I need to bring to the role. And they're like, no, we don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I am going to do it that way. So he did it that way and it just couldn't fit in with the rest. Yeah. And then that's basically what it was. It was just that he, he, um, you know, that none of the cast had issues with him. He got along fine with everybody. There wasn't like, you know, and he, and it was funny because nobody even knew that they were considering not using him until he didn't turn up on set one day and Michael J. Fox did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, we have to reshoot three quarters of the movie now. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But I mean, that happens. There, there was, um, uh, what was it? Naked Gun. Yeah. Um, no, not Naked Gun. Sorry, Blazing Saddles. Um, was supposed to have um, um, oh, what's his name? What was it? Um, Richard Pryor was oh, supposed to be the sheriff, and you know this. <laughs> the, um, they're supposed to have um, basically the entire cast was different at one point, and they even shot a few days with this other cast, and they went, "Oh, hang on, that's that's actually not working." Let's, <laughs> That's completely rejigger the cast, you know. They ended up going from, and they did it. It was a when they did Blazing Saddles, they did um, Flying High and Naked Gun. They had the same principle for all of them because I only, um, obviously Flying High and Naked Gun were the same producer directors, but um, Mel Brooks actually had a hand in all of those. He oh. actually helped out writings on all of them. 
Um, but their thing was that they primarily actually wanted to hire uh, actors with no comedic experience because they don't want the actor to be funny. Mm. They want what the actor does to be funny. All uh, right, yeah. <laughs> so they actually didn't want comedians who, by the nature of them being a comedian, they always tried to shine and up, you know, play up that part and they didn't want that and that's actually why the movies work so well because they the, the people who are playing the parts are completely different mm. than in your brain they're completely different to how they end up being you know well leslie nelson hadn't done any comedy before that he was a serious actor in action movies well police stuff. squad is, i mean naked gun was was from police squad uh, like the it was a expansion of the tv show Flying High, I was actually watching a doc on it today. Uh, we know it's based on the original um, movie, the black and white movie, to the point where they are originally even going to shoot it in black and white. Oh. <laughs> so they bought the script for that movie for $2,500. They actually yep. bought the original script so they didn't get copyright issues. And they literally almost reshot it identically from the original movie. Same the only difference same. is they put little tweaks in it here and there to make it a comedy instead of making it a serious movie. But it's almost exactly the same. There's, there's a couple of different differences, but for the most part, it's exactly the same movie. Even the, the getting sick food poisoning scene, like that's all in the original movie. I take my <laughs> coffee like I have my men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, what can you make of this? Oh, a brooch, a pendant, you know, stuff like that. Like there's just these little bits in it that change it. But I'll for have to the one day watch the original. Yeah, it's, um. Oh, well, I mean, it's an old 19... Whatever it is, late mid fifties, black and white. <laughs> That's nothing special, but it was just interesting that they and they yeah they took a whole series of these non comedy actors, yep, and turned them into you know comedians effectively. <coughs> we should probably uh, thank all of our sponsors and people who listen, and their patreons and coffee, and their coffees, co- coffees, co- coffees. No, he's a wrestler. That's not it. <laughs> I'd like to thank Kofi, Kofi Kingston, and <laughs> yeah, no, that uh, yeah, for sure. That um, uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys. That's the there you go. See, words are easy. You make it worthwhile us turning up. We know yeah. someone's actually listening. Yeah, we know you're listening. We know you care. We know that. Uh, we know that, you know, and as I said, like, as I kept saying, it helps with um, even the most basic stuff, the hosting and the Zooms and the, the few, you know, the bits and pieces that we need to do takes care of registering domains and business names and stuff like that. So it um, it helps cover some of our expenses, which is another reason we keep, you know, the show is not, not, not uh, sponsored in, in, in any real sense. Um, we're not monetized on YouTube. We don't have the viewership for that. So it, it's literally just a... a uh, podcast of love um, because there's no money in it so it's not, I don't think we're doing it for the money it's all to entertain you <laughs> it's uh, yeah so and um, yeah just there was a few people who uh, apparently I've heard through the grapevine that sent Glenn a well wish last week so if you guys want to just um, wish yeah you well we don't and, have any news no no he's uh, I haven't heard but I still believe he's um, I mean, he's out of the woods, but I, I, so the last fine. I heard, he's still in hospital. Um, so yeah, so if you want to send him some well wishes or some, you know, get wells or uh, just tell him that you know he's a slacker and he needs to hurry up and get better or whatever, yeah. wants, whatever <laughs> you want to do, just uh, hit him up. Not like he'll be back on the show, but <laughs> hit him up on uh, probably Facebook or Twitter is probably the best place to get a hold of him. Yeah, <coughs> I think he checks those most of the time, so That's so good. check that. Shall we get into some news then? Well, I might as well try that, I suppose. Telstra has signed a $100 million deal to provide connectivity for IntelliHub's smart meters that will add 4.1 million SIMs to Telstra's IoT network. IntelliHub will also be supplying smart meters and communication hubs to Telstra's newly hatched retail energy play, Telstra Energy. However, the SIM deal covers connectivity for meters operating across nearly 40 energy retailers that IntelliHub supplies smart meters and metering services to. Smart metering is increasingly important as rooftop solar batteries and EVs, both charging and acting as batteries, continue to proliferate in Australian households. What's happening behind the meter increasingly needs to be measured and managed, putting a premium on smart meter deployment. 
IntelliHub CEO Wes Ballantyne said the connectivity is needed as smart meters move beyond their original role of providing billing data for retailers. To help manage the take-up of renewables, particularly rooftop solar, meters need two-way communication. Smart meters now provide energy efficiency in the home and efficiency in the solar on the roof, providing efficiency, aids and orchestration in the home, he said. For example, customers selling their rooftop output back to the grid want to do so when the price is high. Without smart meters, Valentine said customers can't trade with the network in real time. He said Telstra deal has been in the pipeline for 12 to 18 months and was triggered by a significant expansion of smart meter rollouts in that time. The SIMs will be hardwired into IntelliHub's IntelliM smart meters and IntelliConnex communications bridges at the point of manufacture. Telstra Executive for Industry, Internet of Things and Unified Communications, Mark Chapman, said the prospect of revenue for more than 4 million new SIMs on its network was, the, was only one attraction in the deal. Telstra has made serious corporate commitment to carbon neutrality, he said, and more intelligent energy consumption is an important part of that. Well, I got my smart meter in. Yeah, well, I've had um, smart meters for several smart meters uh, different houses and different businesses. They've all been uh, Vodafone. Oh, okay. Mm. I'm not sure it's... what network mine goes through. It was installed by Amber, and now they control my um, Tesla Powerwall battery to turn it on when the price of electricity from the grid skyrockets, which can be at a few minutes' notice sometimes. Yeah. I um, So I've spoken to a few of them when they're installing them, and um they said unless unless they have a reason to not use it like they can't get a signal um they all use yeah they all use vodafone so not anymore maybe interesting that um that's not a thing now i I don't know i mean i'm not surprised using telstra because ultimately yes they still have the best coverage regardless of what they say but um It'd be interesting if they're going to retrofit existing connections as well. They don't say, didn't say anything about that, I don't think. But no. like they do physically have a SIM card in the smart meter. Maybe they all get ported over to Telstra. So they would. Well, they'd have to come out and change the SIM cards over. It'd be a hell of a manpower. I mean, I guess if you, well, I mean, if you're sending somebody around to do meter reads once every three months, anyway. I guess they could just swap it over when he comes and reads the meter, I suppose. Yeah. Might be the way to go. So, interesting. Um, Someone like here, I have had on a few occasions where I've been logging in at, at work or whatever to check solar stuff like that at home, and it says not available because we are right on the edge of the network here. So, you occasionally, don't, you do get a couple of hours occasionally where you'll get a black spot and you won't get any signal. Oh, okay. So I guess that would be, see, in your case where they log in to switch the power wall on and off and sell back to the grid or whatever, that would be, could be an issue if they suddenly can't log in mm. to turn the meter off, to turn it off or on. <laughs> or on or whatever, you know, like, well, turning it on, okay, you miss out on a peak price, but if they turn it on and then can't log in an hour later to turn it off and the price drops again, yep. you come home and your solar wall's flat because they haven't been able to <laughs> disconnect it. <laughs> that would not be good. So, yeah, I can kind of see why they want to use Telstra. I don't necessarily, as I said, I don't like Telstra, but I can understand why from a purely logistical and business point of view why they would use Telstra. Yeah, definitely. That's like most FPOS. It's like you go everywhere you go. They use different cards. Like Tyro used Optus for the longest time. I think they finally switched to Telstra. Yep. The same thing, networking. Like you, you know, you just have a better signal with it with Telstra. So can't argue with that. Oh, I could try. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know, we'll see how that. I'm just curious, I'm more curious to know if they're going to retrofit that if it's just going to be for a new connection. Mm. I mean, be a new connection originally, obviously. But speaking of um, of of tracking and stuff, Domino's, they're hoping to get your address right with the new what three words? The new, it's not that new. The new what three words? Location technology. 
So for those who don't know, the what three words um, is basically a website you could go to and it's an app that you can go to and it pinpoints your GPS coordinates to actually quite a high degree of, of um, accuracy, accuracy. Yep. and it gives you three words yep. and then you yep. can go to that website and you can type those three words in and it will, it basically through via an algorithm works out what the actual coordinates are and, and pinpoints your location. Man, woman, um, camera. Yeah. So for example, they got here, the exact 10 foot tile of the front door of what three words, London headquarters is that, uh, filled count soap, whereas unusual trying highs will take you to an exact tile that offers the best view of the Golden Gate Bridge. Nice. So it, uh, the, the split up, split the world up into ten foot square grids. So it'll get you accuracy within ten foot. Um, and the idea was for initially things like, for example, if you're um, you're hiking, for example, and you get lost, um, and instead of Having where's to, your nearest crossroad? Yeah, instead of trying to <laughs> twenty you know, kilometers that way, I think. figure out GPS coordinates or or anything like that, or um, even if your battery is almost completely flat, you could go there. You could find out what your location is, and you could literally just send text somebody three words, and they could figure out where you are based on that. And something I saw was interesting. <laughs> somebody had put on a website: if you do get lost and your battery's running out redo your voicemail with the location that you're yeah. at so even if you've got no signal it's going to be on the voicemail yeah I, th I thought that was actually very clever um that uh and uh, the other thing is too a lot of mailboxes allow uh, multiple voice messages depending on uh, things like that so you could potentially even record one in advance saying i'm going to this location no, I'll be but I'm between this location and this location. At Let's hear times. it this time. I'm expected to be here at this time. Yep. If it's between these times, I'm somewhere in the middle, you know. Um, so you could do something like that as well. Yep. But um, yeah, so don't until, sorry, before you do that, was it till you you told me all about this what three words originally and then I was watching um the blacklist. And they mm. had an episode where somebody wanted to pass on some information about the location of a particular person who was kind of like witness protection uh, because the baddies were coming after them. And they wrote down these words on a piece of paper and um, the the police turned up. That person was already dead. And the, the, um, the bad guy had taken the piece of paper away, but they used that pencil over the page to find the indentations and saw these three words and they're like well what the hell does that mean and then of course the smart it guys like it's a what three words location quick let's look it up yeah. i was like this is what will was just telling me about <laughs> i've seen it in a couple of shows now so that i saw it in um uh wow what's the name of that show uh, was it scorpion? i think it was scorpion it was in that as well all right um, and there's another show that we're watching. I can't think what it's called. I was going to say it should be in one of those NCIS or something. Uh, it was um, it had the had the grifter and the the, uh, the I'm completely blank. I can't think what it was. Like they, they bought, they come back and did an extra season a couple of years later. Ah. Um, but it was in that. There's something similar in that as well. But yeah. I mean, it's a good idea. But Domino's are saying that quite often, and this is actually interesting because this would apply to me at work. Every time I order Uber, we have like we're, our shop's 280 Bristol Street. Like it's on the main road. It's literally 280 Bristol Street. It's the main road. But for whatever reason, the maps that Uber use always send them to the side street, which not only is there no gate to get into our place, there's it's a dead end. So it doesn't even go onto Brisbane Road. You have to literally go three blocks away and around to get back to where you should have been if you hadn't gone to the right address in the first place. Wow. So, but but um, Domino's are saying that uh, they're using it to get more accurate addresses. Domino's said international franchises using um, uh, using their their online ordering are able to opt into what three words at checkout. When enabled, the company said the system helps ensure deliveries can be made to the customer's exact location. Because delivery drivers often struggle with directions because they're branded, um, and but this way they'll be able to literally have a ten foot grid pinpointing their front door. Yep. 
you know, all their the end of their driveway or whatever. That's good, even even so. for businesses, because like I even saw somebody recently this week, and I've complained about it before. You go down the main street here, half the businesses don't have a street number. Yeah, I know. Why so do you not want people to find you? You go to a place you've never been there before. They're like two hundred thirty-six, and you drive down there's two hundred, and then the next two blocks there's not one building that has a number on it. No. And you're like, how how are people supposed to find? Then you go too far, so you have to get out your Google and you oh I should have tu- got to turn around, go back two blocks, turn down the side street, park there, and then try and walk back and go well, which of these? They got a tiny little sign on this on the side of the building. You have to go in there and up the lift. Especially when it's one of the older places where they've got the little stairs to take that to an apartment upstairs. Yeah. So, you know you like yeah I, that's so annoying. I don't understand why people. Like we've got two big numbers. We've got one at each end of our um, uh, premises, I guess. There's one basically on the, on our building at one end, and then there's one right down at the far sign at the other end. So like you, yep. you kind of can't miss it. But you go some point like there's nothing else within a hundred meters in any direction on our street that has a, a number up, and you're yeah. like, <laughs> how do you tell? <laughs> I even have problems where I am here because the house that I'm in is on a corner. Mm. The the actual street my address is is this street here, but the house faces that street. Yeah. So nobody expects it to be that one. So they're like, they see the house next door is the next number. They see mine is sideways pointing to this street, which it's not a member of. Mm. And so they go up into the little cul-de-sac and I, I come out the front of the house, see them at the cul-de-sac, and they ring up. They go, where are you? I said, I can see you right over there. Come over this corner. So I ended up going to Bunnings and buying a set of numbers and sticking it on my side gate so they could see it over there where they expect it to be. And then they can come here. And I just tell them, I'm on the corner of these two streets. But Yeah, and the, like a friend of mine who lives down the road here, they've got the same thing. They're, they're on our street. Technically, their number's on our street. Their letterbox is on our street, but their driveway is on the other street. Oh, right. My so, letterbox and driveway are on the wrong street. <laughs> yeah, well, there's their, their letterbox and their footpath, their, like their foot entry to their house, yep. and their front door is on our street, which is supposed to be, but their driveway and their big, kind of uh, like a, almost like a front deck, even though it's technically the back of their house is on the main street so everybody keeps walking up there and that's not that number because that number is next door but it has no number on the house because they've just got a solid hedge across the front of their house <laughs> but the, well, that was the thing like when i used to deliver pizzas and stuff like that especially at night you, you're driving up and down the street looking for a house somewhere on the street that has a number on it yeah. so you can work out if you can figure out one or two numbers you can figure out where you need to be yeah but you can literally drive up and down a street and not find any houses that have numbers on them at night. You can't see them. No. You know, it's got to be a safety thing too for ambulances and stuff to turn up. Like they need to be able to know where they're going. They should use what three word. Yeah. Well, apparently, um, apparently it's becoming quite quite a common thing. Maybe in, it'll in, get integrated with Triple O. It would make sense because these days the Triple O call center is decentralized. Like it used to be, if not in the town that you're in, at least. In the state. Close enough for the town that you're in. <laughs> now you could ring Triple O. You could get anywhere in Australia, um, because they're just decentralised now. And yeah, something like a what three words on that would be perfect because they would it would save so much time. What's your street address? What's the street name? What's the location? Do you know your postcode? What what city is that in? What you know what state is that in? Whereabouts? Where are they looking? You know, like are you are you in? That city north or that city west? Yeah, you know, he just they bought both the same exact same street name with numbers, but they're they're in upper, and the yeah. other one's just the normal or south. Well, we're the same. Like we're we're two eighty Brisbane Street West Ipswich, yep. but there's also a Brisbane Street in Ipswich. Yeah, and there's a Brisbane Street in North Ipswich, <laughs> <laughs> and they all go up to like. Well over 300. Yeah. So, and then when we were living in Bundamba, there was a Bray Ridge, a Bray Ridge Drive, a Bray Ridge Street, and a Bray Ridge Court. Then there was a Bray Side Drive and a Bray Side Court or something. So there's like five streets with almost exactly the same name. Yeah. 
it was for, you know unless you live there you things always go to the, we're forever exchanging parcels with the person from the street over because it's theirs or <laughs> they've got ours and it's something similar when i was a kid we went on holidays up to queensland and dad had booked a place to stay so we went to the real estate they gave him the keys and we went there and the keys wouldn't fit in the lock and it was getting late in the afternoon. We got back there, and luckily they were still there. They hadn't finished shutting up. And he's like, the keys don't work. And they're like, yeah, they do. He said, well, I went to Joanne Flat. And they said, no, the one you need to go is Joanne Rise Flat on the next block. <laughs> they're like, are you serious? Because there were people in that one. Eventually, after they heard us trying to get the key in the door, they came out. They're like, what are you doing here? They're like, we got this place booked. No, you don't. What? So you booked us into the something that somebody else is already there, plus given us the wrong keys anyway. Now you're in Joanne Rise Flats. This is Joanne Flats. Ah, oh, serious? Yeah, it's so so annoying. It's a problem when there's no, um, you know, you get three different developers develop three different streets within a block of each other. Mm. You know, nobody talks to the other one to see what they're calling it. You know? So, but Just do it think... like America, first street, second street, third street, east well, and west. Yeah, like LA. Yeah. All the all the ones that run north to south, I think it's north to south of the numbers and all the ones that run east to west are names or something. Yeah. Um, one, one thing people, a lot of people don't realise is that when you are at a town, even if you're not 100% sure of the layout of the town, um, if you know where the CBD is, you know where the post office is, the numbers run away from the post office. Yeah. So no matter where you are in relation to the city, if you're heading away from the post office, the numbers are getting bigger. Yeah. So that's, at least that's one thing that you can help you if you're aware of that. You can figure out sometimes where, where the number is based on where the post office is. They have it good in Brisbane where all the queen names go this way and all the king names go that way or something. In the CBD. Yeah. Yeah, but that's only for like six blocks or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not super useful. You don't need to worry about the rest of the city. It's not worth looking at. And they're all, for the most part, they're all one way. Yeah. You got to, like, if you need to turn right, you've got to turn left eight times. Yeah. <laughs> it gets you there eventually. <laughs> oh, it's some of them are horrible. There's one, I can't remember, it's like Alfred Street or something. And it like goes down along the river this way. And then they made there's a tunnel that goes under the bridge then pops out the other side but like that part of it comes from the other side and comes under and around and bypasses alfred street so that's actually one way going the opposite direction to the way you've just come along the street for the last 25k suddenly now it goes the opposite direction so you've got to like hang this stupid left-hand turn go down around up and over and over the bridge and down the other side and come back back down and then you can keep going the way you were going again <laughs> it's like why did you turn that 200 meter section the other way around like that's yeah. literally all it is like the rest of the thing travels that way <laughs> uh, i hate going into the city, into the city. at least yours is in a grid sydney's like this that that well, way is half horrendous. of them are, oh. half of them are one ways and they were two ways but now they're one way or something and... the three ways and four ways some of them Sy yeah. sydney is atrocious melbourne once you get the hang of a hook turn Melbourne is actually really... Oh, they're funny hook turn things. <laughs> I didn't know they existed when I first went down there. Right, I'd hi hired a car because a friend and I wanted to go to the air show. And we got down there and I'm like, what the, what the hell's going on? And I saw this taxi had pulled over there. So yeah. we pulled in behind them. And they were like, now what? He's got his indicator on right. And then that, that street goes green. So you go, now... Yeah. Okay, I'll just follow him and say, yeah. I'm not from here. I don't know what the hell's going on. Once you get the hang of the hook turns, that's not too bad, Melbourne. Yeah, um, yeah. That's the biggest issue is, yeah, don't park on the tram lines because trams don't give way. Yeah, you don't want a <laughs> tram in the face. <laughs> but um, No, Melbourne, rhinos on skates. Melbourne's surprising. I, there's very, very few one-way streets, so it's, you know, you don't generally end up going the wrong way for too long. Makes a bit of sense. <laughs> but yeah, some, some cities are laid out really well. Other ones are just... You know, you can always tell. Like, I was watching. Was it San Francisco? Was it San Francisco? No, can't remember what it was. Now, they compared like 
the old streets of like LA, the original town layout to like this new modern layout of somewhere. I can't remember where it was now, but they had this flyover thing. Like they had the highways sort of went around the city, but then there was like this big clover leaf thing. Oh that, yeah, the giant one. It looked like sort of like it looked like well it looked like a clover leaf, you know. And it was like twenty seven on ramps and thirty five off ramps <laughs> and eight different directions you could go. And and I just looked at it and I'm like, I spent literally ten minutes just looking at this thing going, How? <laughs> how do you get from here from if you actually wanted to go into the city, it looks like you've got to go all the way to the other end of the city to get off this thing to come back to come back to where you wanted to go. Yeah. I'm like, who it's kind of like that, that one they got in the UK that's got a big roundabout with satellite mini roundabouts oh, the, around it. You have to go. I can't remember what that's called now. Yeah, the, the Worthington roundabout. Round, Worthington roundabout or something. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a giant roundabout, and then there's five roundabouts inside the roundabout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta know I, what you're doing or be drunk. Well, apparently it actually works really well. Big Ben Parliament House. Big Ben <laughs> Parliament. Big Ben. Isn't that, uh, uh, National Lampoon's National European Lampoon, yeah. vacation. <laughs> That's funny. Oh look, there's Big Ben. Oh look, there's Big Ben. <laughs> Twelve hours later. Oh look, there's Big Ben. Are they still going around? It's night time. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw somebody um when I was actually reading uh learning how to play City Skylines. Yep. Um I was watching Biffa. And he made that roundabout in City Skylines. All right. Big roundabout and like the other five inside it. And How'd he goes, the cars go? And he's like, this is like based on a real on a real roundabout. Like this is how it works in reality. Yeah. And he set up his traffic markers and sent the traffic where it needs to send them and stuff. And like it worked really, really well. He's like, yeah, he said this thing actually works. Because apparently it's in the town he lives in. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, it works like that in real life too. So once people figure out how to use it, they're fine. Whereas the town I live in, they just go straight through roundabouts, still doing 60. Well, it's funny. Uh, in Queensland, people don't have these roundabouts. No. They're, just, they're completely bamboozled by the concept of a roundabout. <laughs> in Lismore, where I'm from, like there was no, up until a few years ago, there was no traffic lights. It was all roundabouts. Oh, right. Um, so they just come a second nature to me. But you, you come here and people have no idea. No. They don't. They. they they don't understand how you're supposed to give way. They don't understand who's got right of way. They don't understand how you're supposed to enter and exit a roundabout. They don't understand how you're supposed to... Coming to a roundabout. Now's the time to slow. It's going to take you to where you want to go. We had those on the TV when we first started getting them. Well, that explains why no one can use them. the cape before you leave. Make your attention plane left into the exit road and off you go again. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing that I don't understand about it up here. In New South, when you come into a roundabout, if you're going straight ahead, you don't indicate. If you're going left, you indicate left. And if you're going right, you indicate right. Here, you indicate right, regardless of which direction you're going, and you indicate left when you get to the thing you you want to turn off at. (laughs) So even if you're turning left directly from entering the roundabout, you still indicate right first. Yeah. And they wonder why people run into everybody. (laughs) Like, if you're going left, you indicate left. If you're going straight ahead, you don't indicate. And if you're going right, you do, you indicate right. Like, that's yep. just how it works. But no, <laughs> people get into the right-hand lane, indicate right, and then turn left. <laughs> Cut straight across and bang into somebody yeah. who's in the next lane next to them. <sighs> Seriously? Digital um. intruders broke into News Corp's email accounts and compromised the data of an unspecified number of journalists. News Corp said the breach was discovered in late January and affected emails and documents of what it describes as a limited number of employees, including journalists. It said (coughs) cybersecurity firm Mandiant uh, Mandiant had contained the breach. David Wong, vice president of consulting at Mandiant, said the hackers were believed to have a Chinese nexus and believed they were likely involved in espionage activities to collect intelligence to benefit China's interests. That's why we all do the hacking. So there is Chinese phones. <laughs> a spokesman for the Chinese embassy in Washington said he was unaware of the details of the reports, but he hoped there can be a professional, responsible, and evidence-based approach to identifying cyber-related incidents rather than making allegations based on speculations. No, that's not going to happen. 
In a letter seen by Reuters, <laughs> company executives told the employees, we believe the activity affected a limited number of business email accounts and documents from News Corp headquarters, News Technology Services, Dow Jones, News UK and the New York Post. A preliminary analysis indicates foreign government involvement may have been associated with this activity and some data was taken. The company added that its other business units, including HarperCollins Publishers, Move, News Corp Australia, Foxtel, REA and Storyful were not targeted in the attack. Chinese hackers have been repeatedly blamed for hacks of journalists in both US and elsewhere. In 2013, for example, the New York Times reported a breach which said it affected 53 personal computers belonging to its employees. The paper said the timing of these intrusions corresponded with its investigation into the wealth accumulated by relatives of Wen Jiubao, China's then Prime Minister. Fair enough. And the US is trying to get rid of all of the Chinese network routers and machines. It have been for a while, but it's... Yeah, they're asking for billions to do it. Well, I mean, it, this was going to cost. Like, it's not, it's not yep. like you just replace a couple of switches and it's done. No, <laughs> everything is Chinese. It's, everything from end to end. Not only, but not only is everything Chinese, there's not everything is has... Like, they're saying, okay, let's use American-made... Um, Nick, uh, uh, I'm going to say Motorola and something else. Right. Like, okay, well, fine, but they don't make everything that no. we need to swap over. Like, there's still <laughs> components missing. Like, okay, well, there's my switch and there's my hub and there's my pass-through and there's that, but there's still 12 devices here that you don't make an American version of, so what do you want me to do with them? Chuck them. Like, hey, I, can't, I can't make that, <laughs> that happen. That's not a thing. Right. So, I don't know. But um, geomagnetic storms take down up to 40 space, uh, SpaceX Starlink satellites. Oh. They, they literally just launched 49 satellites on Thursday. And then uh, 40 of them, 40 of the ones that they launched got destroyed. Yeah. Uh, well, not destroyed, but they burn up before they get back to Earth. Significantly impacted. Um they said they tried to turn them into frisbee disc, make them go flat and fly that way, but it didn't help. Yeah, they're trying to minimise the damage on on reentry, uh, which is understandable. I mean, it's you know forty satellites being lost at X oh, amount of how many they got to be, you know, up in the millions of dollars each. I have to be pushing there anyway, and uh, hope he's got insurance. And they're basically yeah, they're, they're going to end up. <clears throat> they reckon that they're not going to completely burn up. Like they'll be able to recover them and use a lot of the internals, but it's definitely going to damage the um, the externals part of them. Uh -huh. um, the biggest the biggest thing they were trying to um, avoid, and they they managed to do it, was to move maneuver them enough <coughs> um, to not hit. Any other satellites on the way down? That was they didn't want to take out more satellites, <laughs> so they managed to do that. That was their biggest thing. And if they lose the satellites on their entry, well, not not a big deal. But yeah, they wanted to um, make sure they weren't going to cause any more damage. Oh, that's good. So they've done that, but I mean, might push back your Starlink not. account for a little while. Whoever signed up for them, if you know that, yeah, they don't. I don't think they say. They don't say what area they were for. They, they don't actually say. So they just say it was for bolstering a... Yeah, they didn't actually say. But at the same time, Starlink Premium promises faster downloads and lower latency uh -huh. for five times the standard price. Nope. <laughs> um, Starlink debuted its new Starlink Premium antenna service, which promises that it will exceed the company's previous offerings in both speed and latency, which vast majority of people are happy with anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. Are they going to have cat warmers on these ones too? <laughs> According to the satellite internet provider pre-order page, the new larger antenna units and its companion subscription offer download speeds of 150 to 500 meg and latency of 20 to 40 milliseconds, enabling high throughput connectivity with small offices, storefronts and super users. Um, founder and CEO of Starlink parent company SpaceX, Elon Musk tweeted that new antenna features twice the area of our standard phased array with border scanning angles 
Starlink claims this will help satellite-based services be viable for even the most demanding users' peak data consumption. The company also claims the Starlink Premium antenna can continue to operate without interruption, even in extreme weather conditions. In addition to the enhanced hardware capabilities, the companion subscription touts a new 24-7 prioritized support, something not offered on any other subscriptions. Uh, increased throughput and prioritized did not come cheaply. The initial hardware required for Starlink Premium will set subscribers back 200 and Nope, $2,500 with an additional $50 in shipping and handling. And on top of that, they'll have to pay $500 per month for the required broadband subscription or five times the standard, which is $99 a month. It remains to be seen whether the bump for the standard Starlink promise speeds of $100 to $200 to Starlink's premium $150 to $350. And the other company benefits will be enough to attract many users. Satellite-based internet services have struggled for some time to reach a level of viability. those interested can reserve their premium slot now for a $500 deposit. The company expects to shipping out self-installed kits sometime during the second quarter of 2022 or about 40 satellites later than they intended, I think. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, there probably are some scenarios where I guess if you're running a like a, a big business or a corporation or something, a lot of staff um, and Starlink's your only semi-decent in an option worth a go or i mean i can even see situations where a small town of 20 or 30 people might actually get together and go hey let's the town just buy the giants you know the premium, premium share it out. And, and we'll just you know micro mesh micro mesh it out to everybody else i mean that would work if you've got 30 40 people living in a town and you've got 500 megabit a second internet and you know that, you can have that or zero. Yeah, I mean, especially if you've got, um, you know, it's an, it's an older town or it's a working town, you don't have that many gamers or that many hardcore streamers on there. Yeah. You know, you even can telecommute if, from your little cabin in the woods. Yeah. I can certainly see where that would have, have benefits. I mean, even if it was a small town, they bought two or three paid subscriptions. Yeah. It's still going to be cheaper than putting their own infrastructure you in place. You could start your own uh, internet company just like Mickey Malone did in his garage. I think that's against their terms of service. <laughs> did you no. see about the Catwoman thing, though, with the Starlink? I heard about it. Yeah, they have in the US where it's snowing, the Starlink yeah. home satellites that pick up, the, the satellite dish that picks it up to stop the accumulating snow and stop it working properly. They had it so it would slightly warm the dish with a heater but the mm. cat neighborhood cats found out that dish was nice and warm in the freezing cold snow, so they all sit on top of the satellite dish and try and keep warm. And they're like, why is my satellite not working as good as it used to? It's trying to attenuate through a cat <laughs> or four. Well, not only not only that, but I'm, there's going to be a whole heap of cats getting cancer in the next couple of years. Yeah. Because if you've ever done satellite install, there's massive big warnings on on everything. Do not stand here. Do not touch this because, you know, you're amplifying micro radiation, microwave radiation directly into your body. (laughs) Um, Usually it's directed away from everything up to the sky. But I mean, like people don't realize the dishes like that. Yep. But the LNB is up here facing this way. So the signal's not. Like, even if it looks like it's going just over the roof of your neighbor's house, it's actually going, like, that way. Yep. So the the, the actual pitch of the, of the signal is greater than it looks. And when you're installing them and working on them, you know, there's there's uh, usually half a dozen labels on them to tell you how it's orientated and which way it's going and where not to stand. Yep. Um, so, yeah, you stick a cat on there for an extended period of time. And- Toasty kitty. <laughs> Not getting, they're not getting warm because of the because of the uh, warm dish. <laughs> they're getting warm from being microwaved. Suddenly, all the cats in the neighborhood are glowing in the dark. <laughs> they're doing the Mister Burns thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly ten years after it signed off, Futurama has been revived for a twenty-episode run on Hulu, the third platform for the animated comedy from creators Matt Groening and David X. Cohen. 
The series that aired its first five seasons on Fox between before being revived uh, for three more at Comedy Central will return to production this month for a 2023 premiere. Following extended deal-making period, original stars Billy West, Katie Sagal, along with ensemble players who voiced multiple characters, Trish McNeil, Maurice LaMarche, Lauren Tom, Phil Lamar and David Herman will all return. John DiMaggio, who provides the voice between, behind the wise-cracking robot with the shiny metal ass, Bender, is finalising a deal to return as well, though it has not yet been closed. I'm thrilled to have another chance to think about the future, or really anything other than the present, Cohen said. At a graining, it's a true honour to announce the triumphant return of Futurama one more time before we get cancelled abruptly again. Sounds like family guy. <laughs> Yeah. When we presented with the opportunity to bring fans and viewers new episodes of Futurama, we couldn't wait to dive in, said Craig Erwich, the president of originals at Hulu and ABC Entertainment. This iconic series helped blaze the trail for success of adult animation since its initial launch, and we look forward to Matt and David continuing to pave the way and further establishing Hulu as the premier destination for fans of the genre. Futurama becomes the latest adult animated title to be revived, joining the upcoming Beavis and Butthead update, Daria spin-off Jody and the Ren and Stimpy show at Comedy Central, Clone High at HBO Max, and per sources, King of the Hill, though the latter has not yet been formally announced. The demand for adult animation has been so large that Beavis and Butthead and King of the Hill creators Mike Judge and Greg Daniels recently launched an animation company to help expand the genre into new boundary-pushing tones and styles. Their company Bandera already has more than a dozen adult animated shows in the works for multiple platforms. There you go. More adult uh, animation wanted. What was that? I sent you a... Paradise PD. <laughs> what is that? Have you not watched it? I've, I've I watched the first before. couple of seasons. It's the most politically incorrect <laughs> show oh. with policemen and his... The policeman who works for his dad, who's the chief of police, and the dad's married to the mayor of the town, and... Yeah, if if you if you're politically correct, don't watch it. You wouldn't watch Drawn Together, then you wouldn't watch this one. I couldn't believe it. I'm watching. I'm like, I, 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 I watched it. It was the one of the funny moment compilation things, which, okay, takes things out of context. But I'm watching this. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> like, I thought Harvey Birdman was odd, but this is <laughs> bizarre. One of my favorite episodes is the fat, stupid cop. Um, start selling fried chicken using his grandma's recipe and everybody was buying tons of it. He was just selling it out constantly. And they're like, what are you making this with? Everyone keeps on coming back to buy more. He said, well, I found this white powder in the um, <laughs> confiscated items room of the police station. I put, just dip it in this white flour. They're like, that's not flour, that's cocaine. <laughs> Everyone kept on buying it because they're all addicted to cocaine now. This is the best chicken I've ever had. And they got a talking dog in there that's very inappropriate yes, and stuff. Yes, they do. <laughs> uh, it's got the, the lady who played the um, love interest girl out of Scrubs. She plays a female cop. Oh, is that who? It, I thought the voice was familiar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I just hope with this future armor that they um, do something original. The last two, three seasons of Futurama of were... The same as everything before it. Like, they'd run out of ideas, clearly. Yeah. Um, so I hope they've had a bit of time to make this fresh and... Have to think know, about it. Something semi-decent, at least. So, or indecent. Well, yeah, I mean, that works, That too. works. <laughs> so we'll see what happens there. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a few um, of those older shows they've kind of brought back for specials or for another season or for you know they've integrated them with another show or now we all have to get hulu accounts or you can just watch it on the internet without a hulu account yeah, in certain so ways just watch it on uh, movies.do yeah but uh yeah i don't know i mean we'll see that means i need to get a hulu account and i gotta get a uh, amazon account because because uh, Orville's coming back. Yep. 
I got my Prime ready because I watched the last uh, season of The Expanse. All right, yeah. They yep. seem to have some good stuff. I was actually saying to Dad, he watches my Netflix more than I do. <laughs> I hadn't watched it in months. He's like, yeah, it keeps telling me the price of Netflix is going to go up. So when I logged on and watched Snowpiercer, it's like, did you know the price of your Netflix is going up? Just like, you know, that's how we can bring you more good content. Well, I mean, they've just spent a heap of money on shows, so it's not surprising. Because, mm. I mean, it's interesting, actually. There's a, time. there's no. kind of a weird crossover thing going on at the moment because, for example, you've got the Orville, but you've got um, Seth contracted to, like, HBO or something. Oh, right. But because, like, the... Amazon bought the rights to the Orville. They technically buy rights to allow him to film through like timeshare sort of thing, and so he's on Very like three different. He's on like three different channels on like Fox because of you know Family Guy and stuff, and so he's <laughs> he's exclusively contracted to like three or four different channels. <laughs> Must have stuff people want to watch. So. Yeah, so that's one thing I never really thought about um, with whether it be Amazon or whether it be any other of those online services that you've got, for example, Fox 8 showing or Fox showing Family Guy, then you've got Oval on Amazon, then you've got his one of his other shows on a different network all at the same time. Yeah. How do you... You can't have an exclusive contract anymore, in, in the, at least not in the same sense that you used to. Yeah, it's like somebody was saying recently that um, uh, it's great having all these streaming services. You can watch a show. The first four episodes, or the first four seasons are on HBO. The next three are on Hulu. The last season is on Amazon, except for the very last episode of the last season, which is only available through a Japanese streaming network that nobody has access to. Yeah, well, that was that was something. I can't remember what it was. Was it the... I can't remember now. There was something that we were watching, and that was literally the case. Every se- I think it was four or five seasons, and every season was on a different provider. And it's like somebody I'm paying you all. No, it's like figure it out who wants it because it's, yeah somebody did the first season then they put it down then another network picked it up and went we'll give you the next season and and then i think the last season was done by the same person who did the first season but there was four different there's four seasons in the middle with, with different people and yeah and it's just like oh. <laughs> you know you can't and the problem is with that 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 kind of brings in another problem that in two, three, four, five years' time when they get syndicated to network TV, they're only going to have access to that season that they've done the deal with syndication for that that particular, whatever episodes that particular network did. So if they only did season three, yep. you're only going to see season three and it's not going to... <laughs> <laughs> what happened in the first two? Who's that guy? What the hell's going on? Exactly. So it's, kind of, <laughs> it's going to hurt the shows in the long run if they're not careful doing this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um. So, Too much fragmentation. Well, they're supposed to be doing... Um, um, oh, Son of Seinfeld or something like that, it's called. Oh, wow. Really? Um, yeah. Cause, gonna watch it. I don't know, but apparently it's... Because now Jerry and... Oh, what's that producer's name who did Seinfeld and did... Um, had his own show on. Oh, yeah, the Arrested Development. Arrested Development, yeah. So apparently Larry doing, David. Larry David, yeah. So apparently they're doing a show together now on like Amazon or Hulu or something. Yep. And then they're like co-writing. They had coffee with comedians. Yeah, J- Jerry did, yeah, at one yep. point. Um, and then apparently, yeah, they're like co-writing for another... Uh, writer or director or something who's doing a show about nothing yeah um for another channel uh, like based on that so the thing is you would have had to have not only seen seinfeld to make this for this to make any sense 
you'd have to watch whatever their current show is that they're doing now because apparently it inadvertently incorporates into that uh. to watch this other show that's on a different network that they're going to make about the two shows that were on different networks that you probably haven't seen anyway. Jeez, uh, too much. <laughs> so it's like... Get your act together, guys. Stop. Just, just stop. <laughs> just give me... I don't care what network makes it. Just it was give me good one, when it was all Netflix. Just give me one portal where I can go to and watch everything. Yep. And then yep. you still get your money because I'm still watching it from you. I'm just going to a common portal to watch it. <laughs> so That's about it for me. How about you? Yeah, I've crapped on long enough as usual. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Edge show. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, and Coffee. Email us Will or Warlock at AussieTechHeads.com.au and go to AussieTechRadio.com 24-7 playback of tech-related shows. See you next time. Bye.